Friends, this is episode 896 of the Juice Box Podcast. Welcome to it. Today I'm going to be speaking with Edward. He is a type one, he's a father, and he's a computer programmer who uses Android APS to give himself insulin. And he's got a lot of cool thoughts about it. It's a lot to do with where things could be going, where they are going. It's incredibly interesting. You're going to be daunted at first by the length of this episode. Don't be. Just settle in, listen to the conversation unfold, and imagine what could be. While your imagination is running wild, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Here's a couple quick things. T1DExchange.org forward slash Juicebox. Go complete the survey. You're going to help diabetes research. If you do that, T1DExchange.org forward slash Juicebox. You can get 10% off your first month of therapy at betterhelp.com forward slash juice box. And you can save 35% on your entire order at cozyearth.com by using the offer code juice box at checkout. This episode of the juice box podcast is sponsored by us med. Get your diabetes supplies the same way we do from us med usmed.com forward slash juice box. Why would you go there? It would be to get your free benefits check and to get started. Don't like the internet? Call 888-721-1514. Get started today with US Med. They always provide 90 days worth of supplies and they have fast and free shipping. The podcast is also sponsored today by Touched by Type 1. Now I'm going to be speaking at the next Touched by Type 1 big event. It's coming up soon. Check it out touched by type1.org. Also, find them on Facebook and Instagram. So I am Edward Robinson. I uh, am a father of uh, four children. I um, am a computer programmer, and I was diagnosed with diabetes at age 18 um, in 2006. How old are you now? 34. You're 34. Okay. Four kids. Yes. Is that, uh, are you doing that for Jesus? It's a lot of work. Or are, what, what are, we, why are we, are you building an army, a basketball team? <laughs> What's going on exactly? Uh, so I was one of four. My wife was one of three. Um, and so we always wanted to have uh, a few kids and, um, it's turned out to be four. Wow. Well, you did it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Are you, is there like a hole in your floor somewhere where you just keep pouring money to send the kids to college with later? Or is that how that works? No, I just go back to work and work more. Are you prepping them now? Because they're young, I imagine, right? What are their ages? They are young. Um, so the oldest is seven, then five, then almost three, and then one. Or I'd, almost one. I'd be whispering in their ear, you want to be a short order cook? Someone has to pick up the recycling, you, Billy. <laughs> like, come on, buddy. You don't need college. <laughs> I don't know, man. That's um. Have you ever thought about it? 
Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. We started uh, 529s for them quite early. Well, I bet you did. Yeah, too. yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, congratulations. No birthday presents, just donations to 529s, please. <laughs> Daddy, well, wanna, we'll just go to the park and save the money. Yeah, I want a lollipop. You'll take this quarter, you run home, you put it in the hole in the floor. Just shut up. <laughs> My God. <laughs> I mean, listen, a, a an expensive education at this point, private education, is $65,000, $70,000 a year, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I can only imagine what it's going to be in. I have to tell you, there was an amount of money that my wife and I imagined when Cole was born and we were wrong by 130% maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, maybe things will change, but yeah. seriously, I'd be like, there's no reason somebody so, runs the cash register at target. And I think you'd be great at it. And I would, I would, I would just get them a nice, a nice blue collar job. Although what kind of work do you do? So I am a, a software developer. I work uh, for a small consulting firm. Do you teach them how to code? Are you like, sit down, I'll show you Python today? Like, what do you do with those kids? No. So like, I actually build the application. So we work with different um, different clients, and then they have different problems that they want to solve, and we'll work with them to solve their problems. Um It almost always involves building applications. Okay. But sometimes it's just like, management help or helping them solve their process problems and things like that. But usually there's uh, applications involved. And uh, recently I've been working on a project for artificial intelligence and machine learning. Wow. So if I, which is really exciting. That's amazing. Actually, I'm going to hear more about that in a second. If I asked you this question and this is not a press, don't take this the wrong way. If I said to you, Edward, I want to make an app that the people that listen to this podcast can have access to the show through like I want to make my own podcast app and I'd like to yeah. be able to send them information through the app and, and break up the series into groupings for them. Would you like chuckle and be like, that's easy, Scott. I could do that on Saturday afternoon. <laughs> like, or is that a big thing? Um, so I don't do that much develop. I I've done some Android and iOS development. Uh, there are other people on our team who have done a lot more than me and could do it in an afternoon. Right. It would probably take me a weekend. Wow. That's insane. What did you go to college for that? And why are you smart? <laughs> <laughs> I went to college for, uh, engineering and then I, within engineering, I studied computer science. So I've been writing programming or doing programming since, uh, 2006. That's crazy. I'm watching my son now. He just graduated from college. Um, he's got a quantitative econ degree. And, you know, he's going through college and every once in a while he'd be like, they, they make us use these programs we've never seen before, but they don't tell us that much about them. And, and now he's uh, graduated applying for jobs and in his free time, just sitting in his room, getting certifications and like anything he can find because he realized a little too late that that should have been his minor. He took a mathematics minor and he's like, I should have minored in this stuff because every one of these jobs uses this. It's amazing how many jobs these days require programming of some degree. Yeah. No, uh, it's, it's really something. And he's, he's picking it up. Actually, he said something incredibly frustrating the other day. He said, um, I probably didn't need to go to college. I could have just taken all these courses. And all I could think about was the money. <laughs> 
like, I was like, I was like, don't say that to me. I was like, even if it's true, never, ever, ever tell me. <laughs> just, you know what I mean? Like, please just don't say it. Um, but something. It else. is true, especially around programming. There's just tons of things you can learn online um, for, you know, little to no money. Um, and you can find examples. There are still a lot of like foundational concepts that are a lot easier to learn at a university. Right. I also don't know how you get in the door without some sort of a degree. You know, um, I, I, to me, that sounds impossible, but I'm sure there's some barrier to entry. Although I'll tell you, my brother, my youngest brother, he's 10 years younger than I am. He was, um, we, I never talk about my brothers on the show, but my youngest brother was we used to say either in trouble or you were about to find out he was in trouble. Like there was no like middle ground. You know what I mean? Like he was either doing something he shouldn't be, or he was, and you didn't know where the cops were there. <laughs> so like, you know, there was no middle ground for him. And, and coming out of high school, he just worked at a, a pool supply place. And I have to tell you, like my, I growing up, my father had a very blue collar job. I don't know that he had any more, expectations than that my mom did retail you know I, I i think that's probably what he was thinking and he just met somebody while they were at the job and they said you know what we think you could do this entry-level thing in it and now he oversees like a huge department of people who shoot satellites into space and so that's pretty cool i don't know how that works you know what i mean like and he Sometimes I look at him and I'm like, you like he got he got away with it. Never went to college, never did anything, and he's making you know he's making the money just like everybody else. So I don't know, it's it's uh, it's it's hard to hard to decide. But what what leads you to that? Were you just always inclined, or were you super interested? So I always enjoyed math and science, mm-hmm. um, and so then I went into engineering because I figured I would use those. I didn't plan on doing computer science but I took a couple of classes in college and found that I was pretty good at it. Um, you know, it was the first class was like basics of programming and you had to write programs in, you know, pretty complicated programming languages. Mm-hmm. Um, these days there's a lot of like, you know, click and point programs that you can set up and you can do it with your kids. But this was like hardcore in order to even like edit files, you needed to know specific commands and use these like editors that are pretty complicated. And I found that I was pretty good at it and, um, and enjoyed it. My roommate, uh, took the same class with me and he was really struggling and he just hated it and wanted to blow his brains out. No kidding. That's it's uh, listen, I I am a person who in, hold on a second. Does my wife not, I mean, she's got two jobs and, and one of them stopped the dog from barking. (laughs) (laughs) hold on a second her other job is to come up with reasons why we can't have sex (laughs) that's what's her too big so these are real you know stuff she could put on her cv (laughs) where she could really speak thoughtfully about being um uh, adept for sure is she all right well he stopped maybe she stopped uh I made it to, I was in a very weird situation. We'll get to your diabetes in a second. Um, where I, uh, oh, this is so, it's embarrassing. My, they, hold on a second. Now she has questions about the dog, but now she doesn't, now she needs management. All right, here we go. <laughs> she tells me she's, I can do it. I can do it. 
Um, I got pulled out of my kindergarten, but this is going to pull back a, a, a curtain on me, I guess. I got pulled out of my kindergarten class. And I remember it like right now to this day, my teacher, somebody knocked on the door. My teacher came over to me and said, somebody wanted to speak to me outside. I went out in the hallway and this big man, you know, who now I realize could have been five, six. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> was standing over top of me and he started talking to the teacher and the teacher kind of bent down next to me. I remember her name. It was Mrs. Moon. And she said, Scott, this man thinks you're smarter than the other kids and they want to give you a test. And I was like, it's not good for a five-year-old's ego. I was like, yeah, those other ones do seem <laughs> dim to me. I get what you're saying. Like, yeah, let's let's get me separated, you know? Um, and they gave me an IQ test, which I now realize was an IQ test. I realized it because they gave it to me every year, like every okay. year at the beginning of the year. And I'll tell you that I will not tell you my IQ, but I test the same exact number every time I take it. Even if I were to take one online right now, I just hit that number. I don't understand what those tests are or how they work. And it was probably the worst thing that ever happened to me. Because in the 70s, they were doing something called, in my state, state they called it academically talented. And I'm going to tell you, Edward, I am not academically talented at all. <laughs> <laughs> if you just, you know, make the list of STEM stuff in your head and assume I'm not good at any of it. <laughs> Just, I don't know what my IQ helps me with, but it is not those things. And so I beat my head against that wall till eighth grade, like in a room with people who were clearly just smarter than I was. That You know, everything we did, they were better at. They understood it more quickly. And when it came to the math, I was really lost, like really, really lost. They tried to put me in algebra when I was in sixth grade. And I don't know if I've ever told this story or not, but maybe a semester into that that year, I pulled the teacher aside after a class and I said, listen, it's too late for me to drop this class. I'm stuck. You know it and I know it. I don't understand this. I'm never going to understand this. We're in trouble here, right? Um, I'll make you a deal. And he's like, what's this? Imagine I'm in sixth grade. <laughs> I'll give how, you 20 bucks. How old does that even make you in sixth grade? <laughs> I mean, I was five in kindergarten, so six, seven, eight, nine. Ten. I was like 11 years old, <laughs> okay, maybe 12. And I'm standing in front of him like, listen, here's what we're going to do. <laughs> and I talked him into allowing me to sleep through his class for three more semesters. And I told him I was going to take a general math class in summer school to make my credit up. And he said, okay, like without even a fight. He just was like, all right. And we kept that three quarters of the year. We kept that agreement. I came in. I didn't, I didn't bother him. I failed his class. He failed me. Just zoom, zoom, zoom. And then I went to summer school. Um, I do not. When you start putting numbers and letters next to each other and tell me they equal something, I can feel my brain short circuiting. I cannot follow it like to save my life. And the reason I tell you that. I don't you know, I'm always impressed by your math skills on the podcast. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure. No. I don't know if you, you have a calculator ready when you do it, but it, uh, I can do simple addition usually and pretty subtraction. Good. <laughs> but my point is that when I listen to my son talk about math, I think our mailman must be really good at math <laughs> because I can't imagine he's my kid the way he understands numbers. It's really bizarre. Like, I don't know. It just happens for some people. And and for others uh, like me, by the way, it did, did not happen for. So um, 
Well, on the, on the flip side, I really struggled with other things like, um, you know, reading and history and other classes like that. So, um, yeah. Oh, Nobody, nobody gets everything. You're being delightful. I, um, I didn't do any of my, I can't believe I have a high school diploma. Um, my, I, I forget what year it was in middle school. We had this great English teacher and he's like, we're going to read, uh, Romeo and Juliet and we're going to read it together. And I was just like, Oh, I'm not reading that. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and we had, um, my senior year of high school on my first day of my senior year of high school, the English teacher said, we're going to do a research paper, but don't worry. You have the whole year to do it. And he explained what it was and this whole thing. And I swear to you, I raised my hand and he's like, yes, you have a question about the research paper. I said, I do. I said, uh, what happens if I don't do it? Can I still graduate? And and he <laughs> goes, no. And I was like, yeah, I got a job. I don't think I could do this. And And I was just like, it sounded impossible to me what he was saying. And I'm sure if I was back in that room right now, he's probably saying, you know, make yourself acquainted with something and write a four page paper on it. It was not a big, it wasn't a big deal, what he was asking. And uh, to my convictions, I, I kept good grades in that class that whole year. And I thought, like, he can't fail me for not handing in one paper. <laughs> and I didn't hand in a paper and he didn't fail me. So anyway. Uh, His bluff did not work on me. I, I don't know. So I think that's where my intellect works. It works in, like, it's why you, if you hear me say, like, if the zombies come, find me. <laughs> I'll be okay. <laughs> but we're not going to do any algebra. <laughs> anyway. Um, so I think I think it's interesting, though. I think um, a lot of times uh, people assume that they can't do things. But I think if they find the right ways to learn it, that you'd be surprised um, how people can do it. So I always thought that I was terrible at music. When I was growing up, I tried playing the piano, the guitar. It was just a disaster. It sounded horrible. Right. Um, but a few years ago, my wife found a piano for free on Facebook. And we went to go pick it up with a U-Haul. And I was like, why on earth are we getting a piano? This is going to be just a waste of space. But I I tuned it and I learned uh, a couple of songs on the piano. And I was really surprised how finding different ways to learn it. Um, I mean, it was watching YouTube videos, but mm -hmm. uh, how I was able to actually learn something that I had always assumed that I was just terrible at and it just wasn't going to work for me. No, it's a great point. And the truth is that... I think one of the things that got in my way of expanding when I was younger is that I was adopted so that nothing about my, the way I saw the world, did anyone else see it in my house. And those people were in charge of giving me things to do. So they would direct me towards, I mean, the only, the only really way I can say it is like more blue collar endeavors. Like I, I went to school because I don't want to paint them as like preppers or something like that. They're, they're not, they're, but I went to school because the state makes you send your kids to school, you, right, you know? Right. So that's why they sent me to school. They sent me to school so they wouldn't get in trouble. And it was a great place to park me while I was, while they were working. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was free childcare. No one once said to me, you know, when you're done high school, you would go to college. Like I didn't take the SAT. I went to, I, I remember being at school the day I realized my friends were signing up to take the SAT and I didn't know what they were doing. 
Like I had to ask a friend. I was like, why is everyone doing this? Is this something I have to do? And, um, and they were like, no, you take this and they give you a score and then you send the score. Like that, that was being explained to me. Like I was, like I was from another planet, you know? And, um, and I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. I was like, I, I can't go to college. Like I, no one's ever mentioned college to me before. And then I did look into it a little bit. And even at like a local community college level, I couldn't afford to do that. And I don't mean like I couldn't afford college. I mean, I couldn't, but I couldn't afford a car to get me to the college. Like, like there was nothing about my life that was going to send me to school and no one ever once, you know, rigged the board for me to get to the end. And so I just, right, right. I, I went to my, my high school graduation. We came home. My mom gave me an ice cream cake to celebrate. I remember that. And then I went to bed, got up at five o'clock in the morning and started working full time in my uncle's sheet metal shop. And that was it. It's just what I thought I was going to do. Like my friends all went on vacation and they were like, I was like, I got to go to work. And I just, I graduated from high school and I went to work. So, um, I don't I think you're right. I think if someone would have pointed me in a different direction and given me a couple of pointers, I might've been, a, I might've been in a different situation, but as it stands, <laughs> you don't want to ask me about anything particularly technical, <laughs> except for some reason, <laughs> diabetes. <laughs> That I seem that I seem to understand. Okay, um, all right. So, do you work with your kids with it? Do you do the little like whizwiggy like stuff? Do you think they'll be interested, or do you think you'll be like me one day, where you're like these kids have none of my interests at all? Um, they actually already have it in kindergarten. They've got some like code ish um, like games and things like that for kindergartners, which is really amazing. Okay. Um, I think really just getting them to enjoy math and science and other um, things, but also exposing them to everything yeah. um, as much as we can is what we really like to do. My son, we we're actually super proud. He just had a birthday party and we were making up um, pin the tail on the donkey games. And so it's like, you know, pin the arm on the robot or things like that. And he wanted to do pin the science on the STEM. Oh, look at that. Same. And, <laughs> yeah, let's get that kid a good job one day. I like that. I, I I think I was actually inclined to it because if you've ever heard me talk about it, I bought the first Radio Shack computer. Like I had it and it was all about programming and I had programming books. I couldn't figure the first thing I tried didn't work. And I gave it up and I realized now the reason I gave up so quickly, it was financial. Like it took, I took me so long to save up the money to buy this computer that when it didn't do what I thought it was going to do, which really just meant that I did something wrong, uh, I took it back right away because I couldn't afford to own something that that didn't that didn't do something for me. So it's interesting um, how that stuff impacts you. Uh, anyway, sorry, it was a long way to go. I was just very interested. Um, so you're 18 in 2006. You're on your way to some sort of a dork Olympics, it sounds like to me. <laughs> And you get diabetes. <laughs> is there, um, yeah? Is there uh, uh, anything that would have made you think prior to that day that type one was a possibility for you? I knew nothing about type one. Okay. Didn't, couldn't even tell you what it was. Um, nobody in the family. Nobody, nothing. Yeah. Nobody in the family. Um, my grandmother had some thyroid problems, but nothing 
no yeah, clues. Nothing that you would link to yourself. Uh, you wouldn't look at your grandmother and be like, "Grandma's yeah. hair falls out a lot. I'll probably get diabetes one day." Yeah. Not, not, yeah. Right, yeah. Right. Um, so I started losing weight. Um, I played a lot of sports growing up in high school. Um, played soccer, lacrosse, hockey, skiing, um, snowboarding, tennis, all sorts of things. Um, but I wasn't playing sports at the time and I started losing weight and my parents were concerned and they, they actually told me that I needed to put on weight and forced me kind of to start drinking milk, (laughs) which is like the worst thing that could have happened. I'm sure my blood sugar just went straight through the roof um, for hours on end. And one day I went on the treadmill and afterwards I felt amazing. I was like, Oh, I'm going to take up more running. And they're like, no, you, you can't run because you're losing too much weight. <laughs> Keep drinking the liquefied fat. And It'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is helping you. Um, I mean, they're, they're absolutely wonderful, but yeah. it was just kind of ironic how it worked out. And then, um, and then finally they're like, okay, we got to go see a doctor And so I went into school to take a test. And then afterwards they took me to, uh, to the doctor and there they tested my blood sugar and it just read as high. So Mm -hmm. it must've been, yeah, over 400 or some, something crazy high to be off the meter. Um, so then we drove to, uh, Yale pediatrics for diabetes Mm -hmm. and on the way there, I, fell asleep or passed out in the car. And the next thing I knew I was in the hospital and they're trying to get me into this bed. And I woke up and was like trying to push people away. And they, and then I guess I fell asleep again and sort of woke up at some point later. DKA or did they ever say? Maybe I mean, I, you know a part I mean? of me wants to call them up and see if they have my records from, yeah. you know, I mean, ages ago, but I don't know if they would. Because I'm actually, I'm looking at you today and I can only see you from the shoulders up, but there's something about your frame that makes me think you're tall. Is that fair? Mm, Not particularly? No, just five, five ten. Oh, well, all right. Listen, still, I'm trying to imagine them getting an 18-year-old <laughs> you from the car into the hospital without you noticing. Like, you had to have been out of it. Yeah, my mom said that she tried to wake me up and I wouldn't wake up in the car um they had the doctor had said you could call the ambulance but by the time the ambulance gets here to then take you to the hospital it'll just be faster to just drive me Mm -hmm. straight there um so i went there and um so i was diagnosed i started on mdi so it was two shots a day with i don't remember what the insulin was called but it's the one that's cloudy and you had to like roll it Mm -hmm. Um, before taking that and then Novolog. And so I do a shot in the morning and a shot in the evening. And every day I would call in to the, to the doctor's office and give them my numbers for the day. And they would tell me uh, what shots to do and how much to eat for like the next day. How long did that go on for? So that went on for six months to a year. And then I got it on a Medtronic pump. Wow. Wait, for for a year, every day, you called a number like you were. I think that after a few months, I had to call in like once a week or something. Frequently. Okay. 
Still, that's amazing. Even if it was just a few. But I remember this was in like the time of like beepers and stuff where you'd call in a number to send a text message to a beeper and things like that. So that must have felt like it must have felt like you were a spy. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, like just a a disembodied voice on the other end. You're like 118. She's she gives you coordinates back and you're like, yes, yes. Okay. And (laughs) wow, that's fascinating. It, that would have been a much cooler way to think about it. Yeah, you probably should have had a little of my brain. It would have helped you not be sad, which I'm assuming <laughs> you were. Um, and you're also, I mean, this is col- this is going to college age too, right? So this happened to you, it sounds like in high school, because you, so, still, went, you still went to a pediatric. Yeah, it was actually yeah. right before spring break. And I still went on spring break to the, where'd I go? I don't know, somewhere in Mexico or something mm-hmm. for spring break. Um which was a lot of fun. But you went to a pump. Probably not the best idea. <laughs> but but did it... <laughs> see, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, I interviewed a woman yesterday, 72 years old. She's had diabetes for 50 years. She doesn't have one thing wrong with her. It's just fascinating. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you just... It's interesting how... I mean, she describes her care in the past, and you think, like, how is how'd she not... Not she not die forty years ago. You, you know what I mean? Like, like, and it was in a time when the expectation was. I've done a, a few older people's interviews this week, and a, and a gentleman um, who was older as well told me, you know, when as soon as I was diagnosed, he's like, they, you know, it was a shortened lifespan. It was you're not going to live as long. Yeah, don't even worry about it. Like he said, his care was even centered around the idea that. You know, we're just trying to keep you going for as long as we can. And if you were getting cloudy, then, I mean, that was still that, that was that kind of care. Did you ever have that feeling? Did anyone ever say something like that to you? So the doctors, I remember them putting a really positive spin on it. Mm -hmm. Um, Being like, you know, there are these basketball players who have diabetes or like these other famous people. There are lots of people who have diabetes. It's going to be totally fine. And I remember thinking to myself, like, okay, I have diabetes, whatever. I'm just going to live my life with it and things will be fine. Little did I know, yeah. What all it That it's going to be, yeah. (laughs) I think they were probably telling you about Chris Dudley if it was 2006. He's been on the show. Maybe, I don't know. No, I mean, he's the only one I can think of. Uh, So so you're a little naive, right? You went off on your trip and then you headed off to school. But they gave you a pump your freshman year in college? Yeah. So I started on a, uh, I forget what the maker was, but it was before Medtronic. So I started on a pump and then a few years later, I switched to a Medtronic pump um, and was on those for a while. So did you go to Humalog at that point? Do you remember? I think it was Novolog. Novolog. So Novolog in a pump. And that changes your compl- – so you went from, like, calling people to doing everything yourself. Yes. I didn't do it well, but I, I did it myself. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to get to. <laughs> so what, what what were your outcomes like in college? So, uh, I don't know. They, they weren't really great. I remember having lots of lows. and um, But when I had lows, I was kind of funny. Um, these days when I get low, I'm just still like normal and can think, but I would like say ridiculous things or, um, you know, do funny things. I'd get really stubborn sometimes. Um, 
my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, um, she would tell me all these like stories where she would be like, you have low blood sugar, you need to have something to eat. And I'd be like, no. And I'd get argumentative. And she'd be like, you know what, if, if you don't have something to eat, I'm going to call your mom. And then I put my hands over my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Like sort of like home alone. Like, oh my God, like that. (laughs) <laughs> like, ah. No, like you, oh. you can't force me. Oh. I'm just gonna cover oh. my mouth oh. so that you can't put anything in. <laughs> like you're four years old, Edward. <laughs> and then, <laughs> yeah, and then another time I had low blood sugar, but I thought it had to be high blood sugar, and I didn't have my meter with me. And she was like, "I'm just gonna eat these cookies and put one here next to you." And of course, I snatched it up and ate it. <laughs> I just had a moment with Arden the other night where I was like, you have to do something about your low blood sugar. And she's like, I will, I will. And I said, Arden, now, like, if you do it now, you're not actually going to get low. Like, I can see it coming. Like, this is going to be, like, this is a 50 if you don't do something. And she's like, uh, she's like, I will, I will, I will. I'm not hungry. I don't want to. Have a juice. No. Do this. No. No. (laughs) Get out of my room. I'll take care of it. I'm like, okay. So, I mean, you know, I walked out of her room and sat like up the hall waiting because her blood sugar was, you know, then I saw it go the other way and I was like, oh, okay, she got it. Um, but I, I know, I know that thing, like you lose your, you lose your cognitive ability. You just, you know, and you think you're making a ton of sense too, which is, yeah. is really interesting. And your friends loved it, right? It's because you turned it into a goofball. Right, exactly. Yeah. You're lucky they didn't figure out how to give you insulin just to make you low, just to pass the time in college. <laughs> Someone give Edward an, a, a unit so he says something stupid. <laughs> Jesus. And the, and your girlfriend, yeah. who who becomes your wife afterwards, she saw all that in college and married you? Wow. She did. She did. And my mom was even like, you know, he's got diabetes. It's going to be a lot of work. Are you sure you want to marry him? And Oh, thanks, mom. <laughs> Your mom thinks it's easy to, to get girls. To, to be she... fair, it was it was a totally fair thing to say. Well, yeah, but someone got to be on your team. <laughs> you know I mean? Like but, I'd have pulled her aside. And I've been like, listen, I have no other prospects. This is not something. This isn't okay. <laughs> well, that's, that's, but that's uh, she comes from a family of allergies, and so she had allergies to milk and eggs growing up. Like if um, milk touched her skin, she'd start throwing up. Um, and her sister has like a peanut allergy and our kids, um, have allergies. Some of them have been, they've outgrown some of them, Mm. but between like diabetes and allergies, our kids potentially hit like the, uh, yeah, the genetics jackpot. Yeah. Well, I think of, it's funny. I don't know how science thinks of it and I'm sure we could Google it and find out, but I, I, I think of allergies as autoimmune. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's your body right. having, having a, a, a ramped up response to something. Um, so, yeah, that's something else. Jeez. Yeah. Forget college. You better start saving for medical insurance and stuff like that. <laughs> Wait a minute. Like, I, you, if I flick milk at your wife and it hits her, she vomits? Uh, not anymore. Not anymore. Oh, that but was... when she was very young, she did. Hell of a party uh, trick. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there's, there's one time when they, they wanted, what was it? They had to go somewhere and they had to like change their flights or something. Mm-hmm. 
and they're like, sorry, you can't change your flights unless you've got a doctor and get like a refund unless you've got a doctor's note. And they're like, hmm. And they gave her a little bit of milk and took her to the doctor so that they could get their flights changed and get a refund. <laughs> okay, hold on. So her family <laughs> made her vomit to get a doctor's note to get a refund on an airline ticket? Yeah. I yeah. like I like those people. So it's, it's not a... <laughs> For her, it's not, um, not too dangerous of a reaction. She would yeah, just yeah, throw yeah. up and take Benadryl, and then she'd be fine. It's not like a peanut allergy where uh, you have like respiratory issues and can't breathe. Did they explain this to her? Was she a co-conspirator in this thing? <laughs> um, maybe. I don't know what to think. I don't know if I like the story better if they just are like, drink this, stand in front of the doctor, or or if they or if they pulled her aside like a little like thug and they were like, here's what we're gonna do. The best part was that it was in Canada, so seeing the doctor is free too, so they didn't have to pay for that either. Oh my goodness, are you Canadian? She is Canadian. She is Canadian, Uh, and and her her father is Canadian. Oh, okay, yeah, that's something. Where do you live? You don't live. No, no, we live um, in Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. Well, right. uh, outside of Philadelphia. Oh, we're very close to each other. We are, we are. Oh, when I signed up for this, I was like, huh, I wonder if I should just go to Scott's house and you'd have a nice microphone and we could record in person. I do have one right here. We could have done that. <laughs> I've never done, I've, I've only ever sat in a room with Arden and made a podcast. It's the only person I've ever been right in front of. Oh, when we're done, we're going to have to find out where you are because it's possible, okay. you know, we're up the street from each other almost. Um, okay. So you've got diabetes. They start you on a pump, not particularly well, a lot of lows. Are you going to the doctor with any regularity through college, getting A1Cs or anything like that? No, the, the pediatric diabetic office where I was going, they stopped writing me prescriptions in like sophomore year or something. They're like, you haven't been here in two years. We can't keep writing you prescriptions. Mm -hmm. So then I went to see a doctor once or twice. So not very often. Right. So you were just, you just went back to another doctor to get a different prescription. When yeah. Did, yeah. When, or do you, I was going to say, when did you start seeing a doctor regularly? But maybe you don't. So it was after college. Um, I did. And um, for me, the promise was always in technology. Mm-hmm. Um, I started on the Medtronic uh 670g or maybe it was uh 630g the one that the first one that had the automated mode okay um and so i went i went back i actually looked it up my a1c's were in like the sevens and then with the 630g it brought my a1c's down to um 6.1 hmm. 6.2 that's great um so that was really amazing for me i found special ways to make it work um and I even found that in the settings, if you changed the insulin activity to be, you could turn it down all the way to like two hours or something like that, mm-hmm. which is obviously not how uh, long insulin is in your body for. But by doing that, it made the algorithm more aggressive yeah. because it would see that you have almost no insulin left on board and therefore it's going to give you more to bring your blood sugar down right. faster. So did that pump have a, a glucose monitor attached to it at that point? It did, right? Yeah, so that was the one with the integrated glucose. There's one before that had a glucose monitor, but it wasn't very good. And it had this like harpoon to get it into you and it was super uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. 
And it was like probably half an hour to 45 minutes delayed in what your blood sugar actually was. And so I didn't really find it helpful at all. The endocrinologist wanted me to wear it. So I'd wear it for like a week before going to see them, which in hindsight, now I see how it could show you the trends and things like that Mm -hmm. um, to help you better adjust your basal. But were you focused and settings, but you were focused then on that. It was such the data was so late from when it was measured that you're just like, well, how is this valuable to me? But you could have macroed it and seen seen the right graphs. exactly yeah yeah uh, i understand they didn't um, even i don't even think back then the doctors probably knew enough about it to even give you that insight to you know how and and this is when what's the year for that do you know about uh so i started on the sixth the one with auto mode um in 2016 okay so the previous version would have been 2012 to 2016 gotcha it's so I, I have this problem all the time. I look at 2006 written in front of me when you're diagnosed and it feels like it was I, I don't think of it as long ago. I don't know. It's just my age, like anything with a two in front of us. Like, yeah, that just happened. And, you, you know, and then you start telling the story and I keep thinking it's it's 2022. You know, you know, it's uh, yeah. just I mean, I don't know. There's something about those numbers. They mess with me. So you're doing this. But what you really like about it, and 39 minutes into this, Edward, <laughs> is why you're on the show. <laughs> I'm either great at this or really bad at it. I don't know. I can't even tell the difference anymore. Um, but but the the technology part you said really attracted you to it. So when did you, like, you built yeah. your own algorithm, right? Back, Correct. Back before. So. Yeah. Tell me about it. Um, so, yeah. So I was on the 630G. And actually, before being on the 630G on the prior one with like the harpoon cgm that wasn't very accurate i um i found online somebody who had managed to kind of hack into the pump and extract the data Mm -hmm. and um so i worked with him and was actually able to decode the data for the cgm and load the cgm data onto a computer And so I initially tried to create my own closed loop system um, using that. And I did it like on a laptop computer. And then I was going to put it onto like a small Raspberry Pi computer that could fit in my pocket. But between like that computer and a battery for that computer and the pump and the transmitter to communicate with the pump, I would have to carry like a fanny pack around. And I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna do this. <laughs> Even good health. Is I'll just wait. I'll just wait for Megtonic to release the 630G and use that. Right. Um, but after using it, I kind of got frustrated with it um, because it being the first one, it was very conservative, um, and it would bring your blood sugar down to like 150, and then slowly bring it down to like 120, but it wouldn't go. It would try to keep you above 120 all the time. And I want to start getting better control. Um, And so when I was done with that, I was looking around to see what to switch to next. And that was when I came across um, the, the loop community and the Android APS um, app and started using that. And since then, so when I started using that, my A1C dropped from 
I'm going to tell you about one of the better decisions I made last year. I switched Arden's delivery of her diabetes supplies from where we were getting them to U.S. Med. And U.S. Med is more than edging out the service that we were getting from that previous company. Right from the comfort of your home or office, you can join over 1 million satisfied customers who rely on U.S. Med for courteous, knowledgeable, and trained customer care. And their representatives are going to keep you up to date with your medical and diabetic supplies, all delivered right to your door. USmed.com forward slash juice box or call 888-721-1514 to get your free benefits check right now. US Med features a litany of things that you're going to love. How about an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau? They accept Medicare nationwide and over 800 private insurers. They carry everything from insulin pumps and diabetes testing supplies to the latest CGMs like the Freestyle Libre 3, the Dexcom G6, and a little bird told me the Dexcom G7 coming very soon. They always provide you with 90 days worth of supplies and fast and free shipping. Better service and better care is what you're going to get when you go to usmed.com forward slash juice box. On top of all of this, US Med is now dispensing Novolog Insulin Aspart and Humalog Insulin Lispro through their pharmacy benefits. What are you waiting for? usmed.com forward slash juice box 888-721-1514. US Med is the number one distributor for Freestyle Libre systems nationwide. They are the number one specialty distributor for Omnipod Dash. They are the place we got Arden's Omnipod 5s from. US Med provides Arden with her Dexcom supplies. And they're the number one fastest growing tandem distributor nationwide. I mean, I guess I could say it again, but are you just already online getting it done? Are you even listening to me anymore? Or have you already called 888-721-1514? Don't like the phone? usmed.com forward slash juice box. The other day I got an email from US Med and it said, are you, uh, you want some more supplies? Uh, I guess it was time. And I said, yes, click the button. And then they just showed up. You want to do it like that? It's pretty damn easy. usmed.com forward slash juice box. to 5.6, right? which was really amazing for me. But the best part was really the alerts and alarms. So for me, I'm a very heavy sleeper and I would like the alarms would be going off in my pump and it would be beeping away and I'd be sleeping through it. And my wife would kick me because it was disturbing her. And I would wake up in like a half half asleep and I would just sort of dismiss the alarm and go back to sleep. Mm -hmm. And 20 minutes later, she'd kick me again and I'd wake up and dismiss it and go back to sleep. And sometimes, uh, and then eventually I would get up and, you know, have some sugar or things like that. But in my like half asleep state, I would sometimes do the wrong thing. So there are even times when I would give myself insulin when I was low and my wife would look at me and she'd be like, what on earth are you doing? You just gave yourself insulin and you have low blood sugar. And like, after like a few minutes of talking to me, I would then be like really cognizant and, um, having a meal at realize that I would need to <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> realize that I would need to go and chug a bunch of orange juice because I had just given myself three units of insulin right. when I already had low blood sugar. You know, uh, there's a story floating around the internet right now of a gentleman that just did that and, and, and killed himself. 
So it's, yeah, it's I just a, such a crazy tightrope act, you know? Um, yeah. It's, it's, so with like Android APS, I love it because um, I set up alerts where it'll send off an alarm and the alarm will go off every five minutes um, if my blood sugar is dropping below um, below 75 mm. or if it's dropping below 80 and dropping quickly at night and so the the first one i usually just dismiss and go back to sleep but by the third or fourth alarm i've woken up and had something to eat and um and then that saves me a lot from having nighttime lows i I have fewer nighttime lows but they still happen occasionally you keep stuff by your bedside yeah yeah yeah. looks like a little convenience store but a wawa i guess finally i can say yeah and then sometimes i'll come down to the kitchen in the morning and I'll have just like eaten everything. There'll be like candy wrappers and gummy wrappers all over the place. And my blood sugar will still be coming down from like 200. And I'll be like, Oh God, <laughs> that was horrible. I overdid it. Um, yeah. What, what's that feel like in the morning after you've been through that? Is it a, like, I know people say like lows overnight, make them feel hungover. What do highs overnight make you feel like? Yeah, I think it's kind of similar. similar. You feel like, dehydrated and hungover mm-hmm. um and then having young kids there's usually one of the kids is up at night at least once during the night <laughs> so then you just feel even more tired right do you ever feel achy is that ever a, a thing that happens after highs just body aches or so i've started to notice that sometimes my like tendons and stuff um hurt a little bit or they're not hurt, but they're just like more sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can feel that, uh, like in my hands or in my ankles, they're like tighter, um, and stuff, especially when I have high blood sugar or mm-hmm. extended high blood sugars. It's interesting. Cause Arden's ribs get sore sometimes and, you know, like it's cartilage and connective tissue and stuff like that. It's interesting. Um, Oh wow! Okay, so you built is is it um Dana Lewis who who I had on the show years ago about Android APS? Like, is that a name you recognize? Yes, she's one of the contributors, um, and there are a bunch of other contributors to Android APS as well. Yeah. Um, a lot of them are abroad. Okay, what made you go Android? It was available prior to Loop, right? Android was first. Android APS was before Loop. Am I right? I I don't know which one was first. I don't either. Um, You're just an Android person. But yeah, just an Android person. Yeah. So I went with that, and um, so then for that, it's it's really interesting. It's got uh, this really cool feature where when you start using it, it doesn't unlock all of the features until you've gone through certain milestones. Mm-hmm. So. It starts you out in manual mode and you have to do that for like a couple of weeks and you need to answer some like kind of test questions to make sure that you're, that you understand how it's working. And then it will do a mode where it will prompt you whenever it wants to change your basal rate. And you do that for a few weeks and learn how that works. And then it starts to do that automatically. And then a few weeks after that, you can learn how to use the um, what they call small micro boluses, mm-hmm. which is basically where it'll give you boluses rather than adjusting your basal rate. I think um, that's, br- by the way, I, I think that's brilliant. If you listen to the show, I you've heard that I've advocated it to companies all the time and 
no one seems yeah. to no one seems to listen to me. But um, for all different kinds of applications, I keep saying to them, like, why not have a, a beginner, an intermediate, and a and an expert level that you can unlock by? I mean, that's a great way. Even having your yeah. doctor sign off on you sliding up some things. Like, imagine if you could. Uh, I mean, you know. Right now, what Omnipod 5's target is 110, uh, the control IQ's target's 112 and a half. Like, what if you could unlock a lower target or something like that? Yeah, you know, that- and you can even do even more stuff. Like, if you have lows or if you have an extreme low, then, you know, it's going to kick you out of that lower target for 24 hours to make sure that you don't get another uh, extreme low right? or things like that. Yeah, that. Some of it is like, you know, the first couple of hours of wearing the Dexcom, um, sometimes it can trend lower than it really is. Like it says it's 46, but you test your blood sugar and you're 86, mm-hmm. but eventually it sort of catches up, which some of that could be frustrating, but I think there's so many things that you can do. Um, and there's tons of stuff like that built into Android APS, which I really love. I never know how to answer people's questions because event inevitably someone says on these automated systems, what if my CGMs way off? What do I do? And I don't know how to say like, I don't know. It's never just it's not usually an issue. <laughs> and, and, and and when it is like you just like Arden switched her CGM day and a half ago. And for the first 24 hours, it was reading lower than she was. But her blood sugars were higher. So she had like a like an right. impact from from hormones. So she was in this more like 170 range. And then <clears throat> I don't I don't know how to put this other than she was too steady, too high for too long. And it made me think, why is her blood sugar not coming down with the amount of insulin we gave her? Oh, her blood sugar must actually be higher than this says. And there's something about that collection of circumstances that make me go, test your blood sugar, you're higher than this says you are. And then as soon as I I prove that that's correct, then you can make a large enough bolus to actually impact it. And then boom, you're okay. But yeah. I don't know how you explain that to somebody on day one, you know. Um, yeah yeah like some usually when i first start um the sensors i'll just stay in manual mode and mm -hmm. just let my regular basal rate run um until i know that the sensor is actually working effectively sometimes i put it on it works effectively immediately sometimes i'll do the the pre-soaking where you put it on and you stick in like an old dead transmitter and then swap the transmitter in so then it's been in underneath your skin for 12 or 24 hours before it's actually being used. Yeah. Um, you get more accuracy like from it right away. Uh, what, right, pump, right. what pumps do, uh, does Android APS support? So Android APS supports a bunch of pumps, um, some like European pumps. And I think even like some from South Korea, mm-hmm. um, as well as Medtronic and, um, Omnipod, the original Omnipod as well as Omnipod Dash. And I'm using Omnipod Dash, which is uh, really fantastic because there's nothing to carry around other than your phone, which, um, you know, yeah, like most people these days, I'm glued to my phone anyway. Right. My, my so it's ex- really nice to not have anything to carry around. It's my expectation that that's the system we're going to put Arden on um, when as soon as Loop is ready. There's a, a Loop. I think Loop's betaing Omnipod Dash right now. And, um, it's, I think it's very close to being done. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm just it's really great. Yeah. So then, so then after doing that, um, 
for a while. I I did some contributions to it, so I tested that. The I was one of the early testers for the Dash capability, mm-hmm. and then I was one of the early testers for this new algorithm that people have been working on in the Android APS community that's called Dynamic ISF, where it looks at your total daily dose from the last seven days, the last day, the last like four hours and the last four hours before that in order to estimate what your insulin sensitivity should be, Mm. which is pretty cool. And there's actually some really cool science behind it where, which is why a lot of the pump manufacturers use it, where if you've given yourself more insulin um, over the last you know, a few days or whatever you have, uh, chemically within your cells, like more resistance built up. Um, I don't know exactly how the chem chemistry works, but it's kind of like people say when you drink more, you know, you're, um, you don't get drunk as fast. It takes, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I thought that's so kind of going. similar concept with insulin. Right. Um, which is pretty cool. So I tested out that and over the last, uh, four to six months. I've actually taken my experiences from work of working on artificial artificial intelligence and machine learning mm-hmm. and built my own algorithm that uses AI and ML to build a model. And it uses um, a whole bunch of data. So it uses those total daily dose um, insulin factors. It uses the time of day. It uses activity tracked from uh, my watch and from, so I wear a smartwatch that tracks the number of steps that I take um, and from the phone. And I'm actually working on incorporating um, heart rate monitoring. So from the watch, it monitors my heart rate and sends that to my phone. So I can include that in the algorithm as well. Um, well what that, else does it well, use? Well, let's stop for there for a second. So having just a step tracker on, then that allows a sort of like not unknowable variable variable, but something that it's hard to remember to, I mean, you know, when you're, when you're making, when you're making manual decisions about your insulin, it's hard to think, Oh, I walked around more today than I did yesterday. I'll cut this back. Or maybe my insulin sensitivity should be a little weaker or something like that. But you're saying, you're saying that the algorithm would be able to take that into account. So it does. yeah. Yeah. So basically what you do is you feed it instead of writing out for machine learning, instead of writing out an algorithm, Mm -hmm. you give it a bunch of data and you give it the answers. So you say, you know, my blood sugar went up half an hour later. I should have done more insulin half an hour earlier. And you give it all the factors and then it will figure out what the algorithm should be specifically for you. So it's really amazing. And it's just a total change in perception. Yeah. And way of thinking about it. Well, it, I, I definitely see the the retail space is moving that way because <clears throat> Omnipod Five is is you know they won't even tell you what it's doing. So you know it's like it's learning, and I'm yeah. like, okay, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> you, you know, and um, and and if you ask them directly that there's there's no hiding it. They'll say this is proprietary information, and and so my expectation is. 
I, I've always thought that. Like, I was like, well, if they're working on it, like the DIY community has got to be doing it as well. I just don't have a real in with Android APS to 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 hear the conversations. Um, but this yeah, so this is something that that I've been working on independently. I've worked with a couple of other people, um, but it's still kind of early. And yeah. then my thought was to then um, find other people who are interested in experimenting with it. And help roll it out to more people mm-hmm. and then eventually make it um, easy and accessible for everybody in the Android APS space. There mm-hmm. is actually a French company um, called Diaboloop. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, mm-hmm. um, but they actually use some um, AI and ML for their algorithm wow. in Europe, which is pretty cool. It's exciting, actually, is what it is. Um, yeah, yeah, because it, but it's I guess, and it's can, so you're you are you using it right now for yourself? Yeah. You are. Where is it holding your so blood sugar? Um, so right now my blood sugar is one twenty nine. Mm-hmm. Um, it the target is ninety, um, and it can keep it pretty stable there. Um, but the so it's pretty cool. So it uses what else does it use? It uses the insulin on board, the the amount of carbs that I've eaten. I've recently been working on adding in the the type of carbohydrates. So recording, you know, have I eaten pizza or a salad or you know, orange juice, and then being able to incorporate that into the algorithm mm-hmm. because the algorithm should be able to learn that, hey, you ate pizza four hours ago. I'm gonna need to um, increase your insulin in order to account for the uh, the fat rise that's going to come later on right. and things like that. And even like specific types of pizza, have you eaten pizza from Domino's or have you eaten homemade pizza and being able to factor those things in because it can basically see, you know, in the past nine out of 10 times when you've had Domino's pizza, you've had a rise four hours later but when you've had homemade pizza, nine out of 10 times, you've had a rise two hours later because right. there's less oil and stuff like that. Yeah, and it, and it might be less significant as well because, I mean, right. we, we, right. Make, exactly. we do it here and we, that's exactly what we see too. The, the crust is thinner. I'm not dousing it in oil. There's not a ton of salt on it. Like, you know, it's, um, there's not as, it's not covered in cheese. There's cheese here and there. That's, um, but that's exciting, isn't it? Well, we got to yeah. keep you healthy, so then, Edward. We got to keep you moving. <laughs> and your wife needs to be night. No more kicking you at night. You need to be treated better. <laughs> What's the, so, so that, is the idea to like, do you really think you can get it to a place where you'd be comfortable sharing it with other people like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so then, so then it, uh, so I take all the data and then I train and build a model on my computer and then I load that model onto the phone and then use that model. Um, I built in a bunch of safety requirements um, as well. Like if my blood sugar is dropping, it's going to be restricted in how much it can give me. Um, You can put in uh, restrictions around how much insulin it can give at any, for each microbolus. Um, There's thresholds around how much it can give in total uh, like how much insulin you can have on board at any time. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a bunch of like safety around it, but all of those safety requirements are built around what I need for safety, not necessarily around 
what anybody know, would do. what any person with diabetes needs for safety. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm pretty relatively easy. I'm not a young child. Right. I don't go to school. I work from home. Um, I carry glucose tablets with me, um, just in my pocket. Mm. I've got a little thing and I carry two glucose tablets with me all the time. Do you, um, do you imagine? so safety isn't really too bad for, for me, but it shouldn't be that hard to yeah. make it safe for other people as well. It, it, that's what I was wondering is like, can you, can you imagine a world where the thing you're working on could be that, uh, what's the, how do I want to put this where it can be, where it can do the job that it's doing for you, but be generic enough that it could just be a retail item. Yeah. So I think that, um, this is going to be that it, the way that it will be for pump manufacturers. I think that they'll probably have another couple of iterations of doing it manually, um, like writing the algorithms manually, Mm -hmm. but then eventually over the next maybe five or 10 years out, it will be, um, using machine learning. And actually I've, you know, stalked, um, Omnipod and Dexcom online, and they actually hire um, a lot of like data scientists and machine learning people. So they're using a lot of this, but then they're translating sort of what they're learning and what they're seeing in the data into still handwritten algorithms that then use inputs. Like I know that Omnipod uses um, like total daily dose of insulin in their algorithm, and they probably use like I know they use total daily dose from the last three days. They probably use it from the last day and the last few hours or things like that to figure out how much insulin to give you, but they don't factor in things like, you know, exercise, um, hormones, stress, food, types of food, things like that, which you can really get. um, And a, a machine learning algorithm can do and use, Mm -hmm. um, for figuring out how much insulin to give people. Edward, do this for me. Tell me something that's that exists in the world today that people would be aware of that is employing machine learning. Oh, uh, Tesla cars. That's one of the simplest ones. So like, you know, Tesla's got their autopilot and self-driving car features. Mm-hmm. So that's all around machine learning. So they take in basically tons and tons of video data and then the answer is, you know, you've got to stay in the road um, and times when the car drove outside the road from the auto, from the AI and machine learning system, but the person steered back into the road. Those are areas where you need to adjust the machine learning algorithm and provide it more data and say you should have turned right when you tried to turn left to stay in the road. And um and therefore learn from this experience and build that back into the model. So in their in that example, and I, I don't know why I know this, but I know that Tesla had to actually build their own computers to do that process because they couldn't buy powerful enough computers to do it, right? Um, yeah. And they're getting data from every, I guess, every car that checks off, yeah, you can have my, you know, you can have my car's data. And, right. and so- so these computers are just running these simulations over and over. And then from what it sees, the computer says, all right, well, line whatever in the code should be this instead of this because, and or, or what I, I know I'm oversimplifying yeah. it greatly, but it's learning and making adjustments to the 
to the software that's on board in the cars. Yeah. Yeah. So like another way to think about it is, um, so when you write a traditional program, you say, if your blood sugar is high, if your blood sugar is X, then you need to bring it down 50 points. Right. Mm -hmm. So for 50 points, if your total daily dose was a hundred, then your insulin sensitivity is going to be 50. So you need one unit to bring you down 50 points. We're going to give you one unit. Right. So you basically write all that out to say, if this, then that, and if something else, then do something else. Um, and you write out that logic by hand, but the machine learning basically figures out what that logic should be. So you can actually have it generate out, um, this machine learning algorithm approach called random forests, where it will write out those sort of, if then statements, for you and it builds kind of like a little tree that you could imagine that at the base you say is your blood sugar high or low okay if it's high then do this or that and if it's low then do x or y and it'll build out like hundreds of these trees and then each tree will make a prediction of what it thinks um, it should do and then it'll take an average to figure out how much insulin to give you okay so it could in that scenario it could say uh, listen, normally I need, we want to move 50 points and that's a unit, but I see that you've walked more today than normal. So we're going to use point not, 0.8 instead, something like that. Or, right, right. or over the last 24 hours, we've been using 30% more insulin than we expect to. So I'm going to give you a 1.3 in this situation. Yeah. 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 Wow. So then, That'll put so me that's out one way to do Edward. it. You understand? That puts... That's it. That, I said, that puts me out of business. <laughs> that's, that's for sure. <laughs> so I've been using an algorithm that's it's called a neural networks. And so it's kind of similar, but think of it more around probabilities. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you're high, you probably need one unit, nine out of 10 times, but you've exercised. So when you've exercised, nine out of 10 times, you need half of the amount of insulin. Um, But I can also see that you've eaten 60 grams of carbs. So when you've eaten 60 grams of carbs, you usually need, you know, a little bit more. And so then it adds all those pieces up to then figure out how much insulin to give you. Right. It looks at the carbs, then it looks at the activity, and here's your number. And this happens, and this happens, in a blink of an eye, like you don't notice it happening. So, yeah. Yeah. So it makes predictions every five minutes when it mm-hmm. gets the reading from the Dexcom. And then it takes in all those factors and then calculates what it should give you. Um, so right now, let's see. For example, it says, um, so this is my my current blood sugar is 136 mm-hmm. and it's going up plus three. And so it says uh, the AI model predicted a small micro bolus of 0.207 units. And then it goes in and factors in a bunch of safety requirements. And then it rounds it to 0.05. So it's going to give me 0.2 units of insulin. Okay. And, that and so it did that. That just happens automatically. It's not done through basal. It's done in, a, in an auto bolus. Yeah. Right. So then every everything's done through an auto bolus. Yeah. And um, and so then it sends the communication to the pump and then gives me the amount of insulin that it 
that it should do. Yeah. I'll tell you for Arden, Luke made a big leap for her when we left the version that was just using Basil to try to stop and and it moved to the auto bolus version. That was a was a big yeah. deal for her. There are still sometimes very infrequently, but it can happen where if she has a low and she um, puts in some carbs to fix it, but uses too many carbs and then hits her threshold again, it boluses near like, no, please don't bolus here. You, you know what I mean? And then, and then she's low again, 30 minutes later. And then yeah. I've showed it to her. I'm like, you just, you can't, you can't over treat it because you're also not telling it you took in the carbs and and that's a weird. So there's some cool things that you can do. I, I used to run into that a lot. Um, and so with Android APS, you can set up automations. Mm -hmm. And so one of them that I had set up was anytime that I went low, I would set a temporary target of 130 for the following hour in order to avoid having a second low by overcorrecting yeah. because you eat fast acting carbs and it thinks your blood sugar is going to shoot up to 200, but then the carbs are gone and then there's too much insulin right. on and then it crashes down again and you get sort of a yo-yoing effect. So you just did a, um, you did a temporary target that was higher right right yeah. to say you know and let's avoid doing a second low which then i'm gonna treat and over treat mm -hmm. let's just keep it steady for a little bit and then bring it down slower you know the woman i spoke to yesterday who i told you was 72 she's looping which i'm like just i thought was terrific and she said when she goes and does things like meets new people she gets a little adrenaline and she's like i don't like the bolus for it instead i set my target lower so the yeah. so so then the algorithm's a little more aggressive, not a ton aggressive, and then the the bump she gets wasn't as um, you know, isn't as as significant, and she doesn't end up low later. It's really yeah. yeah. The other thing that Android APS can do, which is really cool, is that it can see based on how many carbs you put in and how much it thinks it's seen of those carbs. Mm -hmm. um, it can say you know, you're likely to go low in the next 45 minutes and you should eat, you know, 15 carbs or 10 carbs or eight carbs, which then really helps with um, overcorrecting. And it can see it far enough out that you can have it to then totally avoid the low. Wow. That's pretty cool. um, just, Which is really nice. It pops up and tells you like you should have eight carbs. Right yeah. Now. Wow, right. Cool. Right. Exactly. Um, and then the other thing that I really like is, um, so I use another app called Xstrip, mm -hmm. which works with Android APS, but it allows you a lot finer control over the the alerts and alarms. And so I always find it funny when I hear you ask on the podcast what people have their alarms set to, because what you can do is you can set uh, different alarms. So at like 1.30, I just get like a nudge that's like, hey, your blood sugar is going up a little bit. Mm -hmm. At 1.60, it's a little bit more of a poke. And then at like 190, my phone starts vibrating like crazy. And it's like, hey, your blood sugar is really going up. You should do something about this. And right. um, and then also when the alert goes, it starts with a vibrate. But if you ignore the vibrate for a few minutes, then it starts um, with like a small chime. And then it gets louder and louder and louder mm -hmm. for the alert to make sure that you actually acknowledge it, what? which is really cool. Is this a job interview? Or did you think I'm going to come on this podcast so I can get a job with one of these companies? Because <laughs> somebody will hear it because they're going to hear it. Um, 
I, I, at this point, I think every diabetes company listens to the podcast. So I feel like I feel like you're on an extended job interview right now. You don't even know it. <laughs> like why? So I'm fascinated by this part of it. Maybe you have insight on this, and maybe I'll just ramble, and you'll say I don't know, Scott. But when all this is possible right now, I, I don't understand why. You know what I mean? Like I was in a meeting with somebody one time and I said, like, I don't know who Ivan is, but find him and hire him. <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean? And, and, um, and, and, you know, I don't know who Edward is, but is there a reason somebody hasn't run in and gotten him and put him in a room and said, here, do the best you can. Let's see what you come up with. <laughs> you, you, you know, like, I don't, I don't know why. I mean, I guess big companies have more to consider than I'm, than I'm absorbing right through the FDA and right. all this other stuff. But it's just, I mean, what you're talking about sounds like the future, but you're sitting in front of me using it. So, yeah, yeah. And a lot of it is just like common sense. Like it gives you an alert if it thinks you're going to go low within the next 15 minutes. So then when that comes up, I just take, you know, two glucose tablets and then I avoid the low entirely Mm -hmm. rather than getting the alert when you go low. Um, And from what I've listened to of, the um, interviews that you and other people have done with like Kevin Sayer from Dexcom, when he answers the questions around the alerts and the apps, it does sound like Dexcom is going to build some of those things into the next uh, version of the CGM. And I really do hope that they build in a lot of these types of alerts because it just makes it so much easier rather than getting the Dexcom alert that's like incredibly loud when your blood sugar is 130, just getting a little nudge is is so much more convenient right. and effective. Yeah, it also doesn't give you that like uh feeling. Anxiety. Yeah, yeah, you're like, like, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, geez, this again. And then you look down, and you're like, oh, I'm only 130. And you know, it's no, I, right. I I take your point. I just I'm not even pointing out anybody specific. I mean, pumps, pump manufacturers, CGM, whoever. It's just it if it's all right here. I don't know what, you know what I mean? So, you know what yeah, and the funny like? part is that the code is all written right. where it's it's open source. I mean, you can just take the source code and just have that be the Dexcom app. Yeah. You don't have to do anything. You can just take it and use it. Right. Even that part of the world, I don't understand. I, I for the life of me, don't understand, like, open source. Like, I think it's wonderful, but, like, my brain doesn't understand why people do it. Um, and, and Because it doesn't. It doesn't lead to, well, I guess it does. It just leads to it so slowly. You know what I mean? Like, it, like, wouldn't it be better if you just sat down and wrote out your thing and incorporated it and made it? And then, or, do, or does that, like, as soon as you get into regulatory stuff, it just, it, it stops it, I guess. I think, yeah, because I think that the regulatory stuff and then also making it safe and effective for everybody. Mm-hmm. So, like... I can build this algorithm and test it on myself, but if I'm doing it in a company and, um, you know, I get low blood sugar, I just treat it, whatever. I don't, I don't care. But if a company gives somebody low blood sugar, then it's like, well, what are you guys doing? This is terrible. Right. And if it falls apart and somebody dies, you know, then the company is dead. It's Mm -hmm. over for them. I completely understand. So they have to be extra safe and cautious when, working on all these things. I, I'm being two people here. I'm being like 10-year-old me who's like, just do it. <laughs> and, you know, the rest of me is like, no, I, I know why this isn't happening. But it's just, it, it's fr- yeah. it's frustrating. You know, it's, and it's, um and yet 
in the diabetes space over the last eight years, things have moved forward incredibly. Dramatically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, just really. It's amazing having lived through um, like multiple daily injections and eating a certain amount of carbs at a certain time um, to now having this like incredible algorithm. Yeah. Which, so the other part that's really cool about the algorithm is that there are no settings in it. There's um, there's no insulin sensitivity factor. There's no basal rate. There's no carb count. There's no carb uh, sensitivity factor. It just figures it all out for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And all I do is I put in the amount of carbs that I'm eating 20 minutes before. I mean, you still have to like put it in before so it can pre-bolus, but 20 minutes or half an hour before I eat, I put in what I'm eating and the amount of carbs. And then it slowly builds up like a, a wave of insulin um, as a pre-bolus, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, and then you also get fewer like crashes because it's slowly building up the insulin through multiple doses rather than just like one dose that then, so I use um, Fiasp and I would find that if I pre-bolused with the right amount of insulin, it would all hit within like a 15 minute period, half an hour, 45 minutes later. Mm-hmm. Um, but the food absorbs over a longer period of time. Yeah. So being able to have it uh, slowly build up the wave of insulin makes it a lot more effective. Arden had a uh, five guys the other day and we went and picked it up and we left there. I was like, I think, I think I said something like bolus 20 carbs now. And then we drove home and then we did, 40 more like i'm telling you this meal is right it's got to be 100 at least carbs and then we did a little more and did exactly what you just said like we created you know in my you it sounds like you do listen to the podcast like in my mind like i'm i'm creating like different timelines of boluses different you know they live on their own plane of existence for me this one's going to peak here this one's going to peak here this one's going to peak here and that should lay over top of this fat and protein that she's going to see from this food pretty well that i'll tell you that bolus went so well that when it was over i i was stunned by it like 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 four hours later i looked at her graph and i was like huh wow <laughs> like, like even i was like oh god yeah that's crazy that that worked and then the next day um she's a waffle in the morning and we did a little bit and then i said i was cooking and i said hey bolus 30 more and then, I don't know, 15 minutes later, she sat down and I said, okay, we're going to do the rest of the insulin. And she goes, we haven't done any of it yet, just the first bit. And I was like, no, I said, do 30 more. And she goes, I didn't do that. And just not hearing me say that kept her blood sugar 180 for like four hours after she ate the waffle. Just, yeah. just, just yeah. missing it in that spot. You know what I mean? It was, it's really something. But yeah, I, obviously, I, I want this because that, I mean, what you're describing does what I do. And I think there's other things in the world I would do, Edward, if I didn't have to think about this. So <laughs> it sounds pretty cool, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's amazing. So it really, machine learning works well when you have a lot of really precise data. Mm-hmm. And there's um, there's just so much precise data for diabetes. Like the amount of insulin that a pump gives you, it's just mind-blowing how precise it is. I think like, the 0.05 units that the Omnipod can give you. I think if you take like a drop of water 
and slice it up into like a thousand pieces that that's the size of one of those boluses. So it's like incredibly precise. It's just mind blowing. And then, you know, people are pretty good at counting carbs. So that's pretty accurate. Um, Being able to track your exercise and activity and heart rate and be able to incorporate that. Um, One of the things that I'm really excited for uh, potentially doing this with other people is to be able to factor in things like location. So you've got the GPS on your phone. It knows if you're at school, if you're at work, if you're at home. I mean, I work from home, so it's not really that important for me, but, um, you know, being able to factor in like hormones and menstrual cycle, you could easily just put into the app, like, Hey, today's the first day of the menstrual menstrual cycle. And then from that, it can figure out, you know, throughout the month, how much, uh, more or less sensitive it needs to be based on that. Yeah. I I'll tell you, that's what we just went through that last week where, um, through the event, Arden didn't need very much insulin. And then when the event ended for like four days, her needs were significant. And, right. you know, and I, tr- we track it in a, in a period tracker, but that's just enough for you to go, okay, it looks like the four days after need more. Um, and it's, you know, for people who think like all this stuff is just magic, like Arden's insulin sensitivity and um, needed to be changed. Her basils needed to be changed. Like a lot needed to be changed in those four days. And then when it ends, Edward, it's fascinating. Like I watched it end at four o'clock in the morning on the fourth day. It was just, it, it was like someone walked in a room and was like, oh, who left this switch on? Click. She does not need these settings any longer. And boom, we had to put them all back stop a low and then yeah good it was fascinating and that was that was one of my frustrations with um with the other android aps is that algorithms is that on on some days i skip breakfast and do intermittent fasting some days i'll even skip skip lunch as well and then you have to go into it and you have to say okay reduce um the profile settings and then potentially reduce them further if you skip lunch as well um and needing to do all that, I just found to be annoying and yeah. it should just be able to figure it out for you. Right. And the override for loop, I know we're jumping back and forth between systems, but the override and loop works for her for lower days, but for higher days, it's just not enough. Like you can't, like you can go right. 150% on the override and it still doesn't do it. And, it. and then there's a moment when you get too high and you're just going to cause a low. And then those are the moments when you're just like, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to open the loop and run it like a regular pump then. And then you in- inevitably forget that the loop is open and, and, yeah. you're, and you're reminded <laughs> at three o'clock in the morning when you're like, why is our blood sugar low? Oh, we didn't put the algorithm back on, you know, like that kind of stuff. Those things being fixed. for Android APS, you can disable it for a time period, mm-hmm. which is really awesome. You can just say pause it for an hour or pause it for four hours. Yeah. So then you don't run into that. Which no, is really cool. it, it is really. It, well, listen, it's amazing. And here's the here's the scary part to me that it's. It's all based on whether people like you find out about it and are interested enough to put effort into it. Because this is, this could literally be like a softball league where one day we all just don't show up for practice and then the team is gone. You know what I mean? Like, like that could happen. Like I, I, it so far hasn't, but it could, it, like what happens if there's, it could. Just, you know what I mean? Like, but I mean, I think it's, 
uh, I could see that happening if there is, you know, but I think because people still have diabetes, it's still going to happen. Yeah. I hope so. I mean, I'm, I'm like, what you're saying is, is exciting to me that you're interested in it yeah. and that you're doing it is fantastic that you think that other, that the companies are looking at that stuff as well is very cool. Um, and I'll tell you why even more important, not just because I spoke to her yesterday, but 72-year-old woman using Loop. And one of the questions I had to ask her was, are you worried about the moment when this stops making sense to you or that you can't keep track of how this technology works? And if it was a machine learning technology, it would help you later into life because you wouldn't need to know much of anything, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know at all how it works. Uh, I mean, I know like, you know, how it all works, but the idea is that the algorithm, it it's multiplying so many numbers that you just can't possibly read through it and understand how it works. Right. Um, and, but the magic is that you can see that it's effective because it's saying at the end of the algorithm, it says how accurate it is. Mm-hmm. So like right now it says that it's off by like 0.05 on average, 0.05 units on average. Um, initially when I started the algorithm is off by like 0.8 or things like that. But mm-hmm. I've seen as I've developed it further that it's gotten more and more accurate, even though I can't sort of crack it open and tell you how the algorithm really works. You can build similar ones that kind of show you that like tree structure that are readable and understandable, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. But but but, but that's uh, not what most people need. What most people this is where I actually I I firmly believe that Omnipod Five is onto something. They're just like, look, we don't think you want to know this. You, you, you know what I mean? Like we 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 want this to work for right. you, and without you having to understand what all these things are. And that's what I'm saying is that absolutely you, either you're a person who gets it. Or, I mean, that's one of the reasons why looping and all this hasn't blown up more than it has. Like it's exciting that. I don't know, 10,000 people have downloaded the Loop app or whatever the number is, but there's like 1.8 million people with type 1 diabetes. So basically none of them have Loop. You know, statistically speaking, what keeps it from blowing up is that you have to understand all this stuff and that most people either aren't going to have the ability or the time or the inclination. And so if you need it, if you want it to really grow, it's going to need to like, you know, steal the line from Steve Jobs, right? It's going to need to just work. And, you know, that's it. Yeah. So that's actually what I want to do eventually when I make it so that other people can do it. Um, And I've actually done a lot of this for myself as well, just to make it easier. But have it just like automatically it uploads your data to the cloud. The cloud trains a new algorithm. It says, hey, this algorithm is this much better. Do you want to accept it? Yes or no. And then you're on your way. Yeah. or even just have it automatically upload the algorithm if it is more effective. Right. Is there um, is there a business way? Cool. Maybe you haven't looked into it, but is there a business way where where that could be set up and someone could earn a living from it without it being a legal entanglement? Um. It's not easy because as soon as you start having people give you money for it, it's kind of like a service. And then if they run into any problems, 
you know, you've been providing this to them and therefore you are, you know, responsible. You're liable now. Yeah. It, it's, it, but in the open source, it's just, I'm providing, I'm setting this information out into the world and take it or leave it. Because, it's up to you. Because someone needs to, I mean, this is what I figured out from making the podcast is it somehow is completely different and exactly the same. If the podcast is helpful to you, it's because right. I can treat it like a like a business. Like I can make sure that there's an episode there for you when you turn on your phone and you expect it to be there. And the only way I can do that is because I can pay my bills and live my life while I'm making it. And the only way, right. I, and the way I found around, and I didn't want to charge people because I not only do I not want to take money from people, I, I very badly don't want to take money from people. But I also know that the amount of people who would be willing to give money to it probably wouldn't be enough so that my wife wouldn't make me go get a job, right? So like, so, so I thought, all right, well, I'll take advertising. But you can't take advertising until you have numbers that are big enough to support advertising. So as much right. as this might just seem like a podcast to you, I've had to put a number of different structures in place and will them into existence and make them popular enough to support the next step to get you to the content that would help you. And this is the same problem. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think I think with the open source community, it's um, like I could have never done what I've done with the machine learning stuff and building my own algorithm if Android apps didn't exist on its own previously. I wouldn't have had the time sure. and the effort to build out all of the foundational pieces to then build on top of it. So it's all like just building on top of what other people have done. Um, and my point is, and that's, that, I think the magic to it. Yeah. And, and that's, it is, but the way to make it faster is if all those people could have drawn some sort of a salary from it and put their entire eight hours a day, like I'm sure I'm assuming this is something you do yeah, when your yeah. kids go to bed, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. So yeah. When, when they go to bed and they're not awake, yeah, they right. don't wake up screaming. Right. Then you, like, think about it. Everyone's got to put his kids to bed. Then he's got to look at his wife for the, the nod. The nod's not there. And then he's like, all right, I guess I'll work <laughs> on the Android APS a little more. <laughs> I want I want, yeah. I want, want Edward up in the morning at 8 a.m. with a cup of coffee in his hand working for eight hours, 10 hours on it. I want 5, 10, 20 people doing that. And then all of a sudden, here we go. And what are we really talking about? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, how much money would you really have to generate every year to pay a, a small band of people to do that? It wouldn't be overwhelming. Somebody just needs... It's the situation where I don't, I'm not calling anybody out, but I'm using them as an example. Like, I don't know how Helmsley doesn't hear this conversation and wrangle up 10 people and be like, here, look, how much do you make a year? Well, you work for right. us now. Go make this, th go do this thing. I mean, they support companies when they do it, but then the minute you support the company, you get caught up in the, you get caught up in the red tape. And then it's, yeah, down. I think that there are potentially ways that they could get around it um like if omnipod just built the pods and they just built the pump but the pump and the pods they're open mm -hmm. to any algorithm and then they just provide and then they work with people who build the open source algorithm and they publish the algorithm for free and then it's easy for people to connect the dots um and then they they make their money selling the pods yeah and then but they, people use the pods because of the open source that they release. Right, right. And then that started to happen with Tidepool as an example. But then Tidepool seems like it got sucked right into the machine. And now 
Like, I mean, I, it feels like it was two years ago where they're like, look what we're going to do. And I'm like, it's two years later. My daughter's using three right. different versions of loop since then. Y- you know, like, so it's the time that bothers me. And I know, yeah, you know, yeah. there's got to be a, there's got to be a way to get around that is all I'm saying. A- at least. To yeah. Mo- to and mo- that was kind of I mean? how, how I got here was that I thought. Uh, the 630G was going to come out and it was going to be amazing. And then a few years later, they're going to have, you know, an algorithm that is just night and day so much better. And so by the time I build something, you know, there's going to be something incredible by the time I do that. But 630G was good and it, it was really effective for me, but it's just the rate of innovation and release is just too slow. And that was how I then ended up building my own algorithm right. and stuff like that. And and that and even the idea that something might be coming could be holding back other people like you who are like I could probably make an a, you know, an improvement to this. Um anyway, I don't I, I I'm not compl- listen. I'm grateful for all the stuff. It's amazing. You know what I mean? Like it's without these companies, I remember what it was like. It wasn't a lot of fun. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um and and I've it, seen people's graphs on on Facebook and things from Omnipod five. And it, it, it really is fantastic. And, you know, for most people that's maybe just good enough. Right. And, um, you know, it provides excellent control and, you know, maybe that's good enough control that, you know, you're going to run into the same long-term health issues that other people do. Like on average, people maybe get their knee replaced when they're, you know, 75 or whatever. And if you have control through Omnipod 5, you're just as likely to get your knee replaced at 75 or things like that. Which is good news because it means you're alive at 75 and you need your knee replaced. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I, I, listen, it's amazing. I love having these conversations. It's great. Is there anything, I, I mean, I'm out of my element here. So did I not bring up anything I should have? Um... No, I don't think so. Nice. You have notes in front of you? I do have some notes. Yeah. I wrote down a few things. I even built an Excel chart of my A1Cs over the years. <laughs> well, let's not waste it. What have they been? Uh, so I downloaded the data from, from LabCorp. I, I wish I had it when I was diagnosed, but it only goes back to 2012. Mm-hmm. So it was in like the sevens, um, the high sevens. And then in 2016, when I started on the 630G, it dropped um, down below seven for the first time. And then it was still in the high sixes, but then eventually got down to like the lower sixes. And then there's just a dramatic drop at the end uh, when I started using the Android APS down to 5.6. 5.6 is about where you sit? Yeah, so that's yeah. where I am right now. Um, I think that with... So that was before... The last A1C that I had was before using the uh, machine learning algorithm that I built. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to see what it'll be with the uh, machine learning algorithm. Do you have any insight through Clarity or something like that where, where it might be? So I think it's probably going to be very similar. Um I want it to be lower, 
Um, and I think that I can, can make it lower. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, the big benefit of it is not having any settings and having it be more dynamic and less, less manual overrides and input. Well, yeah, that, that sounds much better. Do you eat a certain kind of diet? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> so with, uh, with young kids, sometimes, you know, I have a pop tart or half a pop tart for breakfast, which I love. Uh, there's a great quote in one of your episodes where you're like, pop tarts are poison, <laughs> which I think is, is very correct. Um, especially when it comes to diabetes, it just like shoots your blood sugar through the roof. Um, and then, but in general, we eat pretty healthy, um, lots of vegetables, um, but eat pasta. I don't restrict myself in any way. Mm-hmm. That's excellent um, to know. Some days I do intermittent fasting um, for like the health benefits. Yeah. There's some really amazing science out of like uh, Harvard and some other places around extending lifespan. And one of the effective ways to do it is to do intermittent fasting, which is really cool. Yeah. I, I um haven't been like precision careful about it recently, like this time to this time. But in general, I have I have a pretty short eating window in the course of every day, and it, I think it's a, a major. I can see a major benefit from it just on on how my body weight stays. You know, I, yeah. I'm not necessarily eating like Jenny, and if keeping that window shorter stops me from gaining weight, if I expand the window, my body starts to hold on to weight. It's, it's really interesting. And, um, I do want to pay more attention to it. I, I, it's tough because we're in a really rude time right now, Edward, where a lot of people have opinions about things and you don't know if their opinions are rooted in any kind of like, you know what I mean? Like there's, it's so funny because I'm about to like, I guess what I'm going to say is going to make it sound like I could be in that group too. But, and I, and I understandably could be, but like I have a podcast, like, so I know how to make my voice on the internet and I know how, how people can find it. The podcast has grown the way it has and it's existed the way it has, I believe, because what people learned from it ended up being valuable and they told somebody else. But I don't know if I look for intermittent fasting podcasts, I'll find 25 of them. I don't know what those people know or what they don't know. And it's the same even with simple things like I want to do more content about just like vitamin supplementation but how do you find somebody who knows what they're talking about who's not a crackpot or just trying to pimp their <laughs> and own And how do you thing? know that they're not a crackpot? Exactly. And it's that's just, that's the challenge. Yeah, and and when you talk about intermittent fasting the same thing comes to my head that most that some people are going to hear that and go, "Oh yeah, sure." You, you know what I mean? Or I'm sure they're I'm sure that's the feeling people get when I had somebody tell me the other day they stood up in an event and they're like, who who listens to the Juice Box podcast? There's a bunch of people there with type 1 diabetes. And I thought this was going to be a story about how they all did. And it was not many of them, <laughs> you know, and then and so the um so the person oh. starts like expanding on why they think they should listen to the podcast. And he said that at the end, a guy came up to him and said, I mean, I'm not going to listen to that, man. It just sounds like you were doing a sales pitch. And the guy's like, no, he's <laughs> like, I believe in it. Like, you should try it. And And so how yeah. do you you know what I mean? How do you make that leap? Anyway, it's, yeah. uh, it's there's no answer to that statement. It's just it's we're in a time where anybody can espouse their opinions, um, and it's easy for other people to get to them. And how do you pick 
who's who. Because I've had people come up to me, they're like, I know about supplements. You start talking to them, I'm like, I think you think that there are spaceships coming to get us. Like, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to take you on vitamin D right now, you know? So anyway. Yeah. So personally, I like finding uh, stuff that's more like research-based and like read and even sometimes reading the research. Um, but it takes a lot of time to do that. And then it's amazing how often like research is just done terribly, terribly bad. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this fantastic book about, uh, about pregnancy and it's called expecting better. And it goes into a lot of like the deep di- deep dives into a lot of the research around uh, pregnancy. And one of the fantastic things was they recommend, you know, not drinking when you're pregnant. And I'm not a medic. Don't take this as medical advice. Sure. But the the book then talks about how in some of the studies, the people that they studied were drinking, but the people who like admitted to drinking in the study also had a number of other really bad complications, like doing heroin or crack or <laughs> things like that. That you know probably would conflate the results. Um, and so it's amazing how even like research with the best intentions can still be done poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, and just because you publish some paper doesn't mean that it's uh, yeah. valuable. And so it's really hard to sift through that and find the right answer. Makes me think about during the height of COVID when you couldn't, you couldn't make a turn on the internet without somebody telling you like just zinc and vitamin D. And I'm like, like, <laughs> I, I, listen, there's no doubt I should probably have a certain level of zinc in my system and a certain level of vitamin D in my system. But they would say it like, that's all you need. Yeah, that COVID, it just, you know, vitamin D, keep your vitamin D up, you'll be fine. I'm like, uh, how, how what? <laughs> and yeah, can you prove that? You know, I heard it. <laughs> and that, then that ends up being the problem is that someone says it and then people start repeating it. And then before you know, right. it's a rule and you're like, wait, what? Like, did anybody look into this? And, you know, it's, it's just very interesting. I'm, I'm not saying even that, you know. Maybe zinc and vitamin D did stop COVID. I have absolutely no idea. I just don't know how to believe any of it is my bigger problem. So, yeah, uh, I, I want to ask you one last question before I let you go. And I have you way too long. I apologize. Um, still with the system you're using right now, you still have to pre-bolus your meals, right? So I don't actually bolus, but you still have to put in the carbs, the carbs. at least 20 minutes beforehand. Um, and then it will, it will bolus on its own. Yeah. Um, sometimes if it's like there's uh, safety restrictions, if my blood sugar is dropping or below the target and things like that, it will be conservative when bolusing. And so I still will pre-bolus then because I know that even though it's dropping, the food is going to make it go up. And so then I still mm-hmm. pre-bolus. Yeah. But I just want people to understand that even when we're talking about something that sounds as futuristic as what you've talked about today, it, they still have a responsibility. They're still. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the, the French company that I talked about, um, the CEO of that company has given a few interviews and they have said that, um, you know, if you don't pre bolus and if you don't even bolus your meals, you can still get reasonable results. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's just going to take a while for the insulin to catch up with the food is the reality. But I mean, there's still things that, yeah, any algorithm just can't predict. Right. There is a company, I I mean, I assume they're still working on it, but it feels like it's 10 years ago now. 
I'm sure it wasn't that long. And they said they were going to have an algorithm where you could just tell it I'm having a large meal, a small meal, a medium sized meal. Um, and I don't, yeah. I don't know whatever came of that. So that's, that's interesting. That's one thing that I want to try and do is see if I just use um, purely the, the description of the meal mm-hmm. um, to see if that can be sufficient because usually when I eat pizza, I eat about the same amount of pizza. And when I eat a bowl of cereal, it's roughly the same bowl of cereal. Yeah. So it should be sufficient. And then sort of the next mind blowing idea would be to take a picture of it. You just take pictures of your food and the, there already already are algorithms that can tag food and pictures. So you just take the tags out of the picture mm-hmm. and Google can already tell you if you're eating if a picture contains a hamburger or a chair or, you know, a salad. Um, And so you could just use that to then predict how much insulin to give. That'd be pretty amazing. If one day you just held your phone up over your plate and got insulin for it, that'd be, that'd be insane. Um, I think that there is an app that tries to estimate the number of carbs based on doing that. There is because they tried to buy ads on the show one time and I was like, let me try the app. And then I tried it and I was like, uh, no, thank you. <laughs> Didn't work yeah, out think, exactly how I was hoping. But one Yeah, thing. I think if you did it like on a if you trained it on like a per person basis. Yeah. Because most people eat pretty similar meals most of the time. Right. Um, and like humans are creatures of habit, so you can learn those habits. Yeah. Um well that I believe in. Trust me, I don't know anything about science or machine learning, but I knew to say that years ago. And I, I, I think the first time I said it to Jenny, she was like, what now? And I'm like, people eat the same things. Right. And she's like, yeah, I guess so. And I was like, yeah, it's not like you're like, you know what I mean? It's not like you're having frog legs one day in a McDonald's cheeseburger the next day. You probably live in a, a certain existence. By the way, it was Ed uh, Domino that I was thinking of. Um, and that's just back in 2014. I think it's at Boston Labs. uh I forget, but he was working on, I forget what he calls it even, some sort of bionic pancreas was what the phrasing they were using back then. But it's one of those things, like, I have no idea where that is in the process. It's eight years later, and I haven't really heard much about it. But I think that he was the one who was saying, or maybe it was the other company. That's the other problem, is that sometimes these people have ideas, then they incorporate, and then suddenly... And I'm not saying this about anybody specific, but then suddenly raising money to keep the company going becomes the company's job. You, you know what I mean? And yeah, you get in that situation. And trying to roll it out just becomes so so difficult. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, the uh, other thing that I found though is that so people are creatures of habit, but for for me at least, we we eat the same meals, but just not often enough where I've forgotten by the time we come back around to the same meal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll have pizza from this great pizza place near us, but we only eat it, um, I don't know, every two months or something like that. And I don't remember exactly what I gave myself two months ago. Sure. Yeah. How, but how an algorithm can remember that and learn that for you. Right. And you can say, you're even saying that at some point in the world, it might be able to say, I know you're at Domino's right now and you say yeah i mean you can track your location on your phone right within domino's versus pizza hut versus school or whatever and and you can use that 
to to predict how much insulin to give. Hey, I want to give uh, whoever Omnipod hired to do their search engine optimization, I want to give them a, a big shout out because I Googled Ed D'Amino insulin pump and I got a return back for Omnipod 5 at the top. So <laughs> somebody's doing their job extra well over there. <laughs> and I, I, It could be that or it could just be Google monitoring everything and pushing, recommending ads for you. Pushing you to ads, yeah. Because you've gone to an Omnipod site before. Oh, and here it is. He, he was calling his pump Eyelet from beta bionics i-l-e-t yeah interesting delayed by the fda in mid to late 2021 this could be delayed by the fda it says i don't know yeah anyway listen i'm um i was drug into the world of looping by a lovely woman named gina who just wanted to hear more about it on the podcast and i can't thank her enough i think it's made a significant um uh, improvement in my daughter's life. And um, I, as to be perfectly honest, I don't see a world of, we've used Omnipod five and it was absolutely terrific. Um, but, you know, we went back to loop after, after a few months and we really understood, I understand, I understand Omnipod five backwards you, and forwards now, but yeah, you know, do you still use an orange link? Yeah, but I heard there's a better one now. So, yeah, so that's what we're using Dash, though. Using Omnipod Dash, you don't have to carry that around anymore. So, so it's just carrying around your phone, and it's it's fantastic. So, Edward, if you would do me a favor of keeping in mind that you and I are recording something that people won't hear for six months so that I have to keep the timeline of my podcast intact and keep, yeah, this, yeah. keep, keep this to yourself for the next six months till your episode comes out. So Arden used Omnipod 5 for a couple of months. It was exactly what I expected it to be. I learned how to use it. I understand how to use it. And she said to me, can I go back to loop? Because she didn't want to carry the controller for the Omnipod 5. She loved having loop on her phone, right? And, yeah. And it's a good, it's interesting because it wasn't about the care to her. It was about the functionality, right? So what I did was. Because you have to carry the controller. I yeah. About she that. wanted to carry the controller. She didn't want to have to carry an extra thing. So, and so yeah. we have, listen, everybody should be getting enough. I, I have enough Eros pods to last us for a little while. Okay. So when she went from Eros to Omnipod five, um, and then we left Omnipod five, I did not go back to Eros pods. I went back to dash pods and I'm going to try. So we're going to use up the Eros pods we have. And then by then I think the dash version of loop will be ready and out of beta, and then I'm going to translate her. Yeah. I'm thinking around the holidays. That should probably happen. So she's going to go off to college on loop, um, and mm -hmm. we're actually sending her with the Omnipod 5 stuff as her backup um, yeah. in, in case yeah. her algorithm crashes and somebody we can't do something about it from a distance because she's going away pretty far to school. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, that that that's the next step is, I think, looping with Dash for us. I would imagine yeah, by the time someone hears this, we're doing it is my expectation. It's um, it's really great being yeah. able to use the dash without needing to carry around anything else. Um, when we bring that, when I bring this up to Jenny, she keeps bringing up that she thinks that you can't change the impact time in the dash version yet of loop. I don't know. You probably don't pay attention to loop, but in the, in the, uh, you know what I mean? In the Eris version, you can say, I think this meal is going to hit over three, two, five, six hours. And at the moment, okay. I guess you can't do that in Dash, but I ho I'm hoping somebody adds that to it. Interesting. I wouldn't have expected that to have any impact because like the pump, at least in Android APS, 
because it supports so many pumps, mm-hmm. the pump like integration is its own separate piece from all of the rest of the algorithm stuff. So the algorithm should continue to work no matter which pump you plug in to use. Yeah, I think specifically what Jenny heard was that the Dash version of Loop did not have that ability yet, and she was hoping that somebody would put it in. Um, but right, it, right. Do, it does agree. It does. It, it's a big deal because you can you can make a bolus at three hours, and this thing's like, all right, well, you're good, but you're looking at a blood sugar that's one seventy. If you just go in, it's one of the amazing things about Loop that I missed with Omnipod 5 is that I could go back in and change the parameters of that bolus from two hours ago and say, hey, you know what, this is actually hitting over four hours now. And boom, here's how much insulin I think you should put in for that. And you can't can't edit your boluses in Omnipod 5. So once you put them in, they're in. That that's one of the things I love about Loop the most is being able to go back and edit the uh, a previous bolus. Um, Yeah, I do think that for Omnipod 5, they they will roll it out to more phones pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, so pretty quickly would be like over the next six months to a year or something yeah. like that, that they're going to add more and more phones. There's also, the, the last part of this is, I want her to be on a retail system. I want it to get to the point where I'm like, yeah, put that on. It does these things three things we needed to do for for me yeah for me the truth is is that android aps loop tandem control iq and omnipod 5 these are not things that are competing with each other they are not they're not apples to apples situations like i think i think control iq and and omnipod 5 are you know similar and i think loop and android aps are similar i don't like somebody asked me, like, are you going to compare the two? And I was like, that's for, that's just, there's just no reason to do that. You know, right. They're not the same thing. Yeah. They each have like pros and cons of like tighter control versus more, more effort and work to set it up. And right. Yeah. No, there's a complete trade off. So many different things. Yeah. Yeah. If, if with Omnipod five, if it, if you could target a little lower and if it would be more aggressive on a rising blood sugar, I think, you know, we would have held out until the phone was available. And but the problem is that Arden's a young girl. She's, you know, she's hormonal. And we were having to leave the algorithm to stop some of these big rises. But having said that, I do that in right. Loop too. It's not like Loops was magical with the blood sugars. Um, all, I would say that the biggest difference is that Loop holds Arden steady at a lower number. Like that was it, Other especially th- like overnight and stuff like that. Especially overnight. Other than that, eighty-five. Yeah. Other than that, they were very similar for us. You know. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, but, but needing I mean, to carry around a phone and an extra controller, I would imagine would be a pain. When I opened the Omnipod Five box and the controller came out, Arden said, and this is a quote: "What the f- is that?" <laughs> 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 and I said, um. That's that is con- fantastic. That's the controller. And she goes, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> and I said, no, Arden, we're going to we're going to use this and we're going to try it, you, you know. And um, but yeah, it was just she's like, I don't want to carry another thing. And I was like, OK, yeah, like and that was a big deal to her. Like, so I'm like, all right. So, yeah, just- I totally. Yeah, totally get that. So- now I just carry my phone, my wallet and two glucose tablets in a little like 
pill container mm-hmm. that I found on Amazon <laughs> and that's all I carry with me. That's amazing. Yeah. That, that's, that's what you're looking for is you're looking for less impact. They're all going to get there. I mean, I can't tell you, I have no trouble suggesting Omnipod five to people. I think I, it was really, it was terrific. It just, it was slightly yeah. less customizable than I was accustomed to. And she was carrying another thing. So who knows if, if that app was already on her, like ready for her phone, she might not have ever brought it up, you know? Yeah. So, cause she doesn't use the functionality in Omni in, in loop. Like, you know, it's not like, it's not like Arden's like, Oh, I should probably change my insulin sensitivity because it's after my period. I tell her that's what's happening. And she goes, Oh, okay. Um, that's why right. I loved what you were talking about so much because as interactive as Arden is, she's still not, she's not that person. You know what I mean? And as she becomes an adult and I get less involved, I imagine that means her blood sugars are going to go up if she doesn't have something that's going to think for her like that. Yeah. Anyway. And it's it makes so much sense for the algorithm to just take care of it for you. It does to me. Especially, it has all the data. Why can't it do it? Yeah, especially after talking to you, it does to me. So, all right, let me say thank you very much. I appreciate you doing this. Of course, we're going to thank Edward for spending so much time explaining all of this to us. And I actually spoke to him last night for a second. His A1C last one, 5.5. And this episode was recorded six months ago. So it seems like things are working pretty well for Edward and his choice of insulin delivery. I want to thank U.S. Med and remind you that we get our supplies from U.S. Med and you could too. USMed.com forward slash juice box or call 888-721-1514. Links in the show notes, links at Juicebox Podcast, the US Med, Touched by Type 1, and all of the sponsors. Since this one went long, I'll just tell you, check out the private Facebook group where you can meet people like Edward. Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook, private group. You'll love it. And uh, goodbye. Thanks for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juice Box Podcast. It won't be as long as this one.